0: Hello and welcome back Big Red Huddle this is our second episode we kicked off last week uh, with episode one I really want to take a moment and just say thank you all the listeners that took time to to listen to the podcast provide feedback Uh, some exciting news we're now on Apple iTunes we're on Spotify and YouTube you can find us at Big Red Huddle on X and huddle.com Again, won't have a lot of content on the website as we're really focused on more of the digital and the, the podcast realm versus the, the written. Uh, but please look us up, interact with us on X, Twitter, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and and YouTube. So uh, let's get started. Let's let's huddle up and, and we're gonna go off off base here a little bit. We're gonna start with Nebraska basketball. I am not going to sit here and claim to be a, a, a basketball expert. Uh, it's not really my swim lane, but man, do I, I I enjoy it when Nebraska basketball is rolling. And Tuesday night in the vault, uh, Pinnacle Pinnacle Bake Arena, a uh, team came out and just dominated the number one team in the country, Purdue Boilermakers. Final 88 72. 16 point victory. Uh, got close on a few different occasions, each at each point. Uh, Nebraska had an answered and, and really pushed that lead out. And so, as I as I approached uh, this team coming out of the holidays and looking at the schedules really focused on that four game stretch: Indiana at home, at Wisconsin, Purdue at home, and at Iowa. Really felt if we could come out of that with a two and two record, we really set ourselves up on the go forward. the The, the schedule really starts to to tail off here in the middle of the Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten stretch where we can hopefully compile some wins and and so after that big win uh, at home versus Purdue uh, Net ranking skyrocketed up into the to the low 40s Obviously we had a little bit of a disappointing setback last night in Iowa City I'll talk about that just in a moment, but really want to focus on that win over Purdue first time since 1982 uh, Nebraska has a victory over the number one team in the country. I think you go back to like 1956 Somewhere right around there, for the last time, Nebraska got a home victory over the number one team in the country. And just really want to give some praise here to, to Fred Hoiberg and, and his formulation of this roster. This, in every such of the word, is, is a team. Uh, you're not going to find a lot of superstars on this squad. You're not going to find any lottery picks. Uh, you might not even find a, an NBA draft pick. Uh, but the way that he's compiled this roster, the way that everybody's bought into their role... It's just really fun uh, brand of basketball to watch, both on the offense and defensive side of the floor. Um, diving into that, that 88-72 win over Purdue, a couple things that I really want to mention real quick before we get into football. Um, everybody on the team really contributed, and I would start and finish with rink mast. Uh, I had a lot of questions coming into the year. was... Uh, With Mass coming over from Bradley from the Missouri Valley Conference, was he big enough, strong enough, tough enough to compete with the bigs in the Big Ten Conference? And it doesn't get any bigger than the National Player of the Year uh, in Zach Eady. And really, for those that watch this game, Rink Mass dominated the dude. He he, um, got under his skin. He bodied him. Uh, He was pesky. He brought him out of the paint. Um, Rink Mass finished with 18 points, four boards, three assists. Uh, but really, if you if you watch the game, it was some of those non-statistical things that really uh, pushed this team forward, got Zach E. D out of his game. Um, and and so that's that's where I would start. But it goes much deeper than that. Tominaga went off uh, 19 points, hit a ton of big threes. A couple of times it got down to one, two um, possessions. Uh, he came in and, and, and hit some big threes. Uh, Bryce Williams, I before the game, I even said, I go just you know with him on his ankle. I said just leave him out of this game. Let's let's rest him up for Iowa. That'll get us our second win in this stretch. Well, I couldn't have been been more wrong. Guy comes in and almost has a triple double: nine points, eleven boards, nine assists, two huge blocks, um, one right there at the end at, um, on Zach ED from behind. Uh, just really balled out. Uh, super excited about that kid. Uh, C.J. Wilcher. Uh, and Sam Hoiberg are just um, Energizer buddies off the bench. 30 points in, in total from the bench. That's a crazy number. Uh, 14 to 23 from three point range. Um, and Purdue didn't play bad. Uh, Purdue hit 13 threes themselves. And so this, this was just Nebraska outplaying Purdue. Um, if you look back to like Creighton last year, you know, I don't want to take anything away from that win, but a lot of people did say and can say, Nebraska beat Creighton because Creighton couldn't throw it into the ocean that night. Well, Purdue played really well t- Tuesday night. Maybe, maybe not really well. That, that's taking it too far. But they played well. 13 threes. Um, and Nebraska still won by by 16. And so um, just a massive, massive win. You're starting to see Nebraska now show up in a lot of these um, mock tournaments, uh, projections, bracketolo- bracketology. And... Um, now, you know, that, that wing got dampened slightly last night, Friday night in Iowa City. Um, but anyway, that's watched college basketball, follows college basketball. They, they knew that was coming. Um, in a lot of ways, you can thank the Big Ten Conference uh, and television partners for that. You've got a situation where Nebraska's coming off a Tuesday night, playing uh, the number one team in the country, upsets the number uh, one team in the country, then has to, it gets really one day of prep, then a travel day, and it has to play at Iowa City, um, or in Iowa City against Iowa, whereas Iowa had six days of rep uh, of rest, six days of prep, and then they get a play at home. It's just, um, you could see it coming, their legs weren't there, shots weren't falling, I know at one point they are like two or 20 from three, or some, some ridiculous stat like that, so what you do is there is you just flush that one, it happens, um, missed opportunity, yes, does it kill the resume? No, uh, just don't let that beat beat us twice. We've got Rutgers coming up this week at Rutgers, and then at home versus versus Northwestern. So let's let's take care of business there. We should be favorites in both. Um, maybe at worst a one or two dog at Rutgers, but we're a better basketball team than Rutgers. And so, take care of business there. Let's get get those those two wins um and we're right back where where we need to be so that's that's nebraska basketball really exciting times um all i ask for nebraska basketball is to pull me through pull me through the winter we've got we got blizzards we've got negative 30 40 degree wind chill uh just keep my interest through winter uh and they're 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 certainly doing that but with that let's let's transition to football i want to try to keep this podcast at about 30 minutes um a lot of again should be a quiet time in in football right now but it's it was everything but uh want to talk through some key additions that we that we picked up this week um five five transfer portal um commitments a couple have already um they don't really sign a national letter of intent as a the transfer but but they're on campus already going through activities so they're, they're officially part of the team have been announced by the team uh first one, Isaiah Nayor. Uh he committed last Friday, uh, January 5th. Has already been communicated or or has been announced by the football programs. So he's officially part of the part of the team. Uh really interesting prospect. 6'3, 215 pounds, transfers from Texas uh via Wyoming. Two years ago, this was the the biggest uh Wide receiver recruit on the market, and then chose to go to Texas. Uh, you go back two springs. He was the talk of Texas's camp. Um, it was really set up for that 2021 season to be their their number one. Uh, after or or right prior to 2021, he suffered just an awful knee injury, missed the entire 2021 season. Tried to come back in 2022. Uh, Really, I mean, honestly, Texas is just loaded. they they got probably two first-rounders ahead of them. Really couldn't see the field, but one game, one reception, 14 yards. But if you go back to his Wyoming film, 2021 stats, 44 receptions, 878 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Anyway, that's watched watch Wyoming, Craig Bowl. They're not a passing offense. Those stats and that kind of offense, it really – um, jumps off of the page, and I'm really excited about this uh, this addition. Adds experience to a very inexperienced room. Um, Big-bodied receiver, somebody that Malachi Coleman can really list or learn from. Uh, technically coming in as a senior uh, with COVID, and then the injury that I mentioned. There is an opportunity there to submit a waiver to gain an extra year of eligibility, so we could get two years with Naor. Um, Really, really cool, really good pickup from from my perspective. Uh the next Saturday, uh the sixth, uh, we got probably my m- most excited exciting prospect, Dante Dowdell, uh running back transfer out of Oregon, 6'2, 210. So a big physical back. Uh he his his story is, is really interesting. Uh, he was a four-star running back out of Mississippi, as far as part of the 2023 class. Uh, depending on the service you look at, number six running back on Rivals overall, number nine on 247, uh, on 247, number eight on on three. Um, I really look at him as just an, uh, the perfect replacement for the Kiwan Lacey miss. So we didn't sign any backs, high school backs in 2024, but we're essentially replacing him with. Are replacing Kiwan Lacey with with Dante Dowdell um, in 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 my opinion it's a, a great or perfect scenario you're getting a running back with college experience but really no tread on those tires and he's he's not leaving Oregon because of um, a negative situation he was a problem there or you know anything like that it, it, it's simply the fact Oregon's loaded they've got two uh, Backs in front of them that are returning um, near thousand-yard rushers played in six games in at, at Oregon this past year 17 carries 90 yards uh, 5.3 yards per attempt um, Honestly, he it's kind of criminal that that they they didn't redshirt him last year and he lost a year of eligibility um, Their mess up is, is probably our gain because if he is able to redshirt he most likely stays at Oregon now that his clock has started um, obviously, he's not looking to redshirt in 2024. He's looking to get playing time, get film. And so, instead of sitting behind two uh, NFL backs there in Oregon, decides to transfer and, and ends up at, at Nebraska. Do wanna give um, kudos to EJ Barthel on this one? I was pretty critical of him last week from a recruiting perspective. Uh, I don't back down or back away from any of those comments last week, but I also then need to, in return, give kudos where kudos is deserved. Um, E.J. played a, a big part in this commitment, uh, spent a lot of time with uh, Dante on the visit and and with his dad. His dad's a big key player in Mississippi, does a lot of things with the Army All-American game. Um, they've got connections across the game, uh, did a lot of research into E.J. Barthel, uh, got the, the thumbs up from around the country on, on how he, they will develop uh, Dante. And. Um, and, and they, the, the three of them really hit it off, EJ, Dante, and, and Dante's father. And so still think we need to get a lot more out of that running back coach position from a recruiting perspective. But uh, obviously, he, he deserves a tremendous amount of kudos for, for locking, locking this one up. Dante has also been announced. He's officially into the program. Um, and, and everybody's uh, coming in this this weekend to report and start winter conditioning. Uh, Wednesday, uh, January 10th, we got uh, Micah Mazuka. Uh, I've heard that his last name pronounced several different ways. I'm going to go with Mazuka. This was a surprise commitment, really not on anybody's radar. Didn't even visit um, this cycle. He's a transfer from Florida via Baylor. Did play under Matt Rule uh, in, in Baylor. Uh, interestingly enough, he visited last year when he was transferring from Baylor to Florida um a lot of people felt like nebraska was the leader uh for his commitment last year um before he visited florida his younger brother's a walk on here um there's a lot of family ties that go back to rules time at baylor this this is really a a big addition and i talked last week around um i should mention he's 6'5, 325 and he he's, he plays the guard position he's play, probably slotted for right guard I talked last week how I think the offensive line is set up to be a strength on this team for the first time in, I'll just call it a, a decade. a decade, um, And this adds a plug-and-play day one starter. And so last week, as we kind of broke the line down, um, I was thinking left tackle uh, Prohaska, left guard Corcoran, center Scott, right guard Justin Evans Jenkins, right tackle Ben Hart. Um, I think... Uh, it's going to be interesting. I I think uh, Mazuka takes Corcoran's spot, which might be a little bit controversial. I know the staff is really, really high on Justin Evans-Jenkins. I think he's going to be on the field. Um, and so I see uh, maybe uh, Justin Evans-Jenkins moving to left guard with this change, and then Mazuka sliding in at right guard. So now you've got a right side of Scott, Mazuka, Benhart. That's that's a dream, guys. Um, something we haven't had forever. You had Dowdell, um, potentially Irvin, Emmett Johnson running behind that. You you then move you kick Corcoran out of the starting lineup, but you use him more as a swing um, offensive lineman as your sixth offensive lineman who can come in play guard or tackle. Still think it's criminal that we put Corcoran out at tackle, but. Um it is what it is. We're we're in his fifth year at this point, so um I think he could be a stud at guard. I hope he gets a lot of time at guard. Um, but we finally have depth and experience on the offensive line. Um and and by by no mistake, mazuka is a day one starter. He's 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 taking Corcoran or Justin Evans Jenkins spot and and I would lean towards him taking Corcoran's spot. Um I know the staff's just really high in Justin Evans Jenkins and, and I don't see him him losing losing a role as long as he does everything that right we would anticipate him doing over spring um and then obviously into into the fall uh thursday then was a was a big day we got two commitments on thursday we'll start with the wide receiver jamal banks 64205 transfer from wake forest um not as much information out there on banks as far as his recruitment and his process I can tell you he had interest in opportunities at Notre Dame, Florida State, uh, and the wild card coming down to the end was Michigan. Um, he's a he's another big bodied 6'4 205 wide receiver, tons of production at the Power 5 level. Uh, in 2023, 59 receptions, 653 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, 2022 when we ha- when he had Sam Hartman throwing to him, 42 receptions, 636 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, big time possession wide receiver, but one that can win the 50-50 ball, uh, and certainly a a threat in the red zone. So you start to think about our red zone offense now, you've got Nayor, Banks, Malachi Coleman, Thomas Fedone, big bodied wide receivers, pass catchers, that are able to take and win those those 50-50 balls, which is what you need in the Big 10 in the red zone that field really condenses as you get inside that 10-yard line you're not gonna be able to run it up the middle you're not gonna be able to pound uh, the Ohio State's the Wisconsin's the Iowa's you're, you've got to make plays down there you've got to have playmakers uh, Jamal Banks is that um, he will come in uh, as a senior um, kind of a perfect scenario because remember Malachi Coleman Lloyd Doss coming up um, uh, Bell even coming up as these young wide receivers. So now we've got Banks. We've got uh, Nayor to really uh, help um, mentor the these young wide receivers. They can come in and, and, and really You know play off of these guys as opposed to having you know Malachi Coleman is I don't want to push him in to Have to be the number one. I want him to evolve into the number one. He he can kind of do that now. Uh, as opposed to being pushed into into that role. So Jamal Banks is um, a, a another just, just massive pickup. And then last one came through Thursday th- Thursday afternoon. Uh, Stefan Thompson, 6'1", 250-pound linebacker from Syracuse, played under Tony White uh, back in 2022, uh, 2021. Took visits to Kansas State, Florida State, Nebraska. Really came down to Florida State and Nebraska. Uh, really, it, the, this is going to be an interesting prospect because on on film, on paper, he looks more of like an edge or outside linebacker. I think they plan on playing him more on the inside. Um, could also see Sherman move move to the inside. Looking for really replacements from for for Luke Reimer, Nick he- Nick Henrich. Uh, career stats. Um, played in 35 games, 140 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, eight and a half uh, sacks. Uh, he's another one, suffered a devastating knee injury back in 2022, missed uh, missed most of that season. Uh, came back this, this past season, played all 12 games, solid production, 45 tackles, three tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Uh, a lot of those knee injuries takes 18, 24 months to fully recover. Obviously, you see guys playing the next season all the time, but but I'm talking about full 100% recovery. Uh, so I do think he'll take a jump this year compared to 2023. Um, he'll also get back into Tony White's offense, or I'm sorry, defense, where he was extremely successful, um, had high production. He'll be classified as a junior next year, um, and it gives us that that depth again. Uh, that's that's needed at the linebacker core. A lot of talent there. We talked about that last week. Um, but it's that, that's a lot of production to replace for, for Luke and Nick. Um, you know, Luke obviously graduated and moving on to the NFL, Nick retiring from the game after some of his injuries. Uh, but but I mean, if you look at what the staff did, we knew that the transfer portal additions, that, that class, if you will, would be small. The numbers um, from a scholarship distribution perspective are, are, are way over the 85 limit. It's hard to find specific numbers because you've got different, you know, NIL, uh, scholarships, you got, you know, walk ons coming on and off scholarship. I'm tracking this at like 97, 98, and maybe even 99 after these five. Um, and, and so I, I wouldn't expect maybe one more edition. <laughs> um, but with every edition needs to come a subtraction. And so, um, I, I'm excited with what the staff did. Ultra aggressive identified the holes um, within the or, w- within the team within the um, roster and and fit those holes uh, and and really sets specifically this offense up to look vastly different in 2024 than it did in 2023. Um, so so those are the those are the five additions that we had. Uh, do want to talk? briefly kind of wrap up with staff rumors um, we, we touched on this last week uh, touched on EJ Barthel hit on him earlier in the pod um, but Saturday uh, and, and I, it, it was funny I mentioned his name on last week's pod as somebody that was getting some under-the-radar smoke if you will Dana Holgerson uh, I wrapped up the pod got the pod uh, posted And then all of these, my Twitter feed starts to blow up and it says, Hey, Dana Holgerson's at the wrestling match watching Nash Huttmacher. Um, So obviously we've got uh, some, some activity there with Dana Holgerson. Here's what I'll say on, on Dana Holgerson. I, I, he, he's obviously in play, right? Um, so, so so I don't want to minimize that, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident Marcus Satterfield is going to be the offensive coordinator on this team or for this team in 2024. Um, I do. I'm also confident Marcus Satterfield will not be coaching quarterbacks in 2024. See him moving uh, to that tight end role, which we talked about last week. I think Dana Holgerson, if he takes a role on this staff, will be an analyst. He's going to be more behind the scenes, um, not a, a recruiter. Uh, he'll be uh, more in that analyst role, supporting rule, supporting Satterfield, just a really bright offensive mind, developing players, developing quarterbacks, uh, drawing up schemes, plays. He'll be a huge asset in that role. Uh, certainly seems to have a ton of momentum for him taking a role on the staff, one that we should certainly be excited about. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be in that uh, you know 10 on-field coach role now what's interesting is may june this year the NCA is voting on analysts being allowed or able to coach on the field if if that were to pass and holgerson is is it, you know takes what i think he will which is an analyst role in this team that opens the door for a you know tremendous amount of of opportunities to kind of use his expertise his experience um, so something to be something to continue to watch. I, I don't know that it's imminent. Um I've heard Dana has, has kind of wanted his time to recharge since uh, being let go at Houston. Um, really wanting time with, with family uh, and, and not wanting to hit the grind of recruiting and, and such. And so that's why I lean more towards analyst. And I don't think it's going to be one of those quick um, decisions, announcements, maybe more towards beginning of February, or or towards you know as we approach spring ball. Um, with that though, uh, I do I, I mentioned last week Glenn Thomas, uh, an individual to keep an eye on for that quarterback position role, quarterback coach position role. I that's the name that I continue to hear this week. Glenn, as a reminder, he's. Uh, quarterback coach, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, kind of hoping they wouldn't make the playoffs because to, to speed this up a little bit, unfortunately they did back into the playoffs. They played the bills, uh, was supposed to be Sunday, it got pushed back to Monday due to the weather. Uh, once that Steeler season wraps up, I do still anticipate Glenn Thomas taking on that, uh, quarterback position, quarterback coach position. My only thought, my my only questions with that is, does it come with like a co-offensive coordinator role? I could still see something where Glenn Thomas is co-offensive coordinator, pass game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, right? Combination of those titles. Marcus Satterfield, co-offensive coordinator, run game coordinator, tight ends coach, combination of those titles, right? Um, It allows you to pay Glenn Thomas, you know, over the million dollars, uh, bring him in, his his focus will be quarterbacks obviously he'll be key in the the game planning development uh but i go back to my my first comments when we started this is i do anticipate satterfield being the offensive coordinator calling the plays being the the man in control of this offense next year but we've got um some some individuals professionals coming in around him which I think can be really beneficial. And uh, and I'll go back to what I said last week. I, I think it's unfair to grade Marcus Satterfield from an offensive coordinator position after 2023. Uh, too many injuries, really young group on the field at the end of the year, running an offense that, that he's never ran before, having to really develop um, something around the skill set of the players on the field, which I think he did a, a great job of. Um, there were guys running open. If you look at the all twenty-two, with respect to some of those those pass routes, and so I think there's some excitement that should be had there. You add Dylan Raiola, you add these pass catchers that we talked about. Offensive line again, I think is going to be a strength. Uh, Dante Dowdell at running back with Emmett Johnson, Gabe Irvin, hopefully coming back, Ramir Johnson. That offense is going to look night and day different in in 2024 than it did in 2023. You 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 complement that with the defense. Um, I think you got something special cooking for for 2024. But let's let's get into spring ball. Let's get through spring ball. Let's see what what Dylan Riallo looks like. Let's see what some of these new pieces look like um, before we get too far down that that excitement. But I do think there's some excitement to be had uh, with with that group. So. Uh, with that, we're going to start to wrap up. Just a quick, quick take on the national title game. So that that uh, played out Monday night. Uh, kudos to Michigan for winning the title. Uh, kind of a pro-con situation in my head. Pro, Big Ten gets a national title. Uh, pro, Northern team wins a national title. Pro, no SEC team in the final. No SEC team winning uh, the championship. Um, just feel kind of gross though too right I mean it, you know I, I'm just gonna say it Michigan's Michigan cheated <laughs> you know I don't know anywhere anyway else um, to, to anywhere any I don't know how else to say it um, I do feel it's a tainted championship um, it's probably the best way that I can put put it um, It'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next two or three years. The NCA is not going away. The NCA is going to continue to dig into Michigan. There's multiple investigations. Heck, the FBI is on campus looking at uh, some of those computer crime incidences from their offensive coordinator in 2022. Um, people forget that he just kind of disappeared. Um, and and walked away, Uh, and and so you've got the FBI on campus looking at that, you've got the NCAA looking at not only the COVID uh, situation where he had impermissible visitors and practices, uh, and then him lying to the NCAA, and then you've got the sign stealing scandal. I don't know. NCAA is pretty toothless at this point, but um, it'd be interesting to see if they're still kind of recognized as national champions in two or three years from now. But um, again, kind of a pro-con situation in my mind. And then we had major news coming out of, what was it, Wednesday, Thursday, Nick Saban retires. Uh, Kellen, um, Kalen DeBoer was, was named last night as his replacement. Um, just a really quick rise for DeBoer in, in this industry. Just a few years ago was at Sioux Falls, South Dakota. NAIA, now he's going to Bama. Um, I know DeBoer was a name that was on Trev's list last year. Uh, at the time, he had only had one year in Washington, really wasn't looking to make that move at that point in time. Obviously, I had, had a team stacked coming into to this last year. Um, and, and interestingly enough, in my day job, I've got colleagues, peers, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota that know De DeBoer, have actually been coached by Kalen DeBoer. Um, super, super nice guy. Um, one of the good guys in the industry. Um, wins everywhere he goes. I don't have a stats right in front of me, but he's something ridiculous, like 103 and 20 or 103 and 15. I can't, again, I don't have him in front of me, but um, from NAIA, um, offense Coordinator Indiana to uh, Fresno State, then to Washington. The guy just wins. Um, he's in a really tough position taking over for the GOAT. Uh, I don't know if his recruiting is up to that level. I'm going to be fascinated to follow it. I'm torn. Big Kalen DeBoer fan just because of the You know, two or three you know, people that I, I know that know him individually and have talked about him for the last several years and have been following him. So I, I'm a fan of him. Not a fan of the SEC, not a fan of, of Alabama. We would like to see Alabama um, fall and burn, if I'm being completely honest. But um, we'll see how it plays out. That's that's what makes college football so much fun. So let's wrap up. We're about 30 minutes in. I do want to keep these to about 30 minutes. Um, again, want to thank you guys for sticking with me. Uh, again, Episode 2, I'm going to continue to evolve, going to continue to Uh, make this thing bigger, better, uh, more entertaining. Certainly welcome your feedback, uh, your interaction on X, Twitter. Uh, Please take time to listen and and rate on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, If there's anything you want to hear on the pod, um, any guests that you want to hear that we can reach out to, happy to do that as well. Uh, It's an exciting time in Husker Athletics. You could be seeing history made on the Nebraska basketball side. Uh, I think this team, football team, in 2024 is ready to take a huge jump. Um, next 2024, man, could be a very special year in Husker athletics on the men's side, uh, which is is much, much, much needed. So, I'm gonna wrap up today. We'll be doing another pod next weekend. Uh, everybody have a great uh, weekend. Uh, we got NFL playoffs. Uh, most people are off on Monday for MLK. And so uh, we will see what comes up this week in Husker Athletics and we will get back together next week. So thanks guys, appreciate it.